bet. Happy Friday and welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by BetSports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor. And since it's Friday, we drag Matt Rooney out of bed. We get him in here, a little baseball, all that good stuff. But how you doing, boys? I'm doing good. College football was on last night. That's kind of my that's my wheelhouse. It was a fantastic night of college football, even though the uh, the bets probably could have gone a little bit better. Um, Jeff Brahm and I need to have a little bit of talk, little talk about how to call run plays in the last eight minutes of a football game when you have a lead. But that's neither here nor there. It was uh, it was fun for me to see college football back on the screen, good college football, and then a whole bunch of it this Saturday. Hey, I had uh, that first half play in the chat. That was nice. Yeah, I had the Pittsburgh game on, so I didn't watch good that was college great. football. That was a fun like, game. It was, it was a messy game. Like, it was fun because it was like, well, at least it's not last week's horseshit. But it was kind of a rough game to start out with the uh, the, the sloppiness. Eh, we were fine after that. And then I did have some, I did have some, t- I think, again, it's not breaking even because I certainly paid juice on this. But I think all the bets that people talked me into went five and five. So I just juiced out, and I needed uh, Penn State minus three and a half to accomplish that. So I go. applaud Jeff Brom and his strategy at the end of the year. It at was, the end of the game is uh, that was the, the Big I've Ten's never, back, baby. I mean, I feel <clears> like that was just the opposite of Big Ten football. I know Purdue is you know they got a great quarterback who they want to put the game in his hands. But like they were running the if they run the ball last night, the rest of the season like they did last night, they're going to win a lot of football games. I think uh, King Doru had like. 60 some yards rushing at the time like eight minutes in the fourth quarter after the pick six just just run the football and run some clock and make Penn State use their timeouts just and run don't... baby yeah just run but I, I was two I was one and two last night I, I Purdue I lost because of Jeff Brom and I had Hendon Hookers over 269 and a half passing yards for Tennessee he had 222 at halftime but unfortunately they were beating Ball State like 38 to nothing and he did not play the second I thought we might get a third quarter out of him um, but I saw that line at halftime and was just kind of please let it, please give him a drive please give him a drive and just they didn't one drive. I know it's oh. like it, betting some of these early college football games in that manner like player props is almost like mm-hmm. betting preseason where it's like hey I wonder how many drives they're going to give the starting yeah. quarterback because it's so. the fucking preseason but I can't be too mad uh, the two losses I, I still feel like I was was right on with I was on the right side of just didn't go my way and then Andy I had your Gophers minus twenty one and a half in the first half we had a nice Gophers. little late. A little late touchdown to go up 24 nothing at halftime. 1-0, baby. We're 1-0. Just win, baby. Just win. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun it was fun having football on on a Thursday. And speaking of preseason, regular season, off season, no off season. And actually I power ranked all the different segments of the NBA season and the regular <laughs> season was like 8th out of 8. The off season, the NBA off season is number one. It never lets you down. There's always stuff. And then, I mean, not only that, but with the advent of Twitter, it's just gotten better when we get these trades. You get Vernon Maxwell chiming in instantly, and like some of some of the accounts making fun of the uh, teams that will be tanking for the better part of three or four more years now. But yeah, the I don't know the Rudy Gobert trade was 
kind of maybe a, a little bit of foreshadowing, a harbinger of this probably happening eventually. I didn't see it happening to Cleveland. I don't know. Is that was were they high on the list of landing spots, Noobs? It was Knicks. It was Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. Yeah, uh, that's favorite, all I ever heard. My favorite tweet, I forget who, I think it was Bleach Report or somebody like that, reported it as Cleveland requires former future Nick um, Donovan Mitchell or something like that. It's just, uh, it's, it was. It was definitely a surprise for it to be Cleveland, but it makes a ton of sense. If there's a team that Donovan Mitchell can slide into that needs an offensive guard that has the pieces to cover up for him defensively. You know, not only do they have a guard and Ricky Rubio to put next to him, that's good defensively. Jared Allen's back there. Evan Mobley's back there covering everything up. Now they gave up three unprotected first round picks, unprotected first round picks are, that's a pretty big deal. And that's far enough down the road where maybe things get a little weird for Cleveland and then two pick swaps, but they do get to move the Colin Sexton contract and you get to move out Laurie Market and two kind of pieces that would cost a little bit of money and don't really fit. So it's really kind of a fun and exciting trade and uh, very good that we got the Utah jazz under in time. Yeah, that worked out for you because <laughs> that team, that roster is rough right now. Um, and then instantly uh, I, just because I'm in a trillion chats and about 15 of them with you. I've seen you post some plays last night. That's, I mean, I wanted you to talk about the trade. Just kind of give me a little bit more overview. I was busy last night with certain things, but the, uh, the plays that stem from this, I feel like we have this every summer too. Like somebody moves or something happens or doesn't happen. And then it's like, all right, we're, we're betting this guy now. Yeah, I'll start with the Knicks. This is something I think I said uh, when Spread Astaire came on because he actually already bet this number. I was waiting for the Knicks to trade for Donovan Mitchell to bet this under. Um, seemed like there was a good chance he would end up there. Uh, assume the Knicks would have had to give up a King's ransom to get him and figured that number would jump up a couple wins. And, and that's kind of what we've seen. You look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, their regular season win total went up three immediately overnight. I was hoping for that on the Knicks, but... Looks like they're not going to get him, so I'll just take the under anyway. I think the Knicks are going to be an absolute mess. The rest of the Eastern Conference has gotten much better. They have to play the Sixers four times. They have to play the Celtics four times. They have to play the Brooklyn Nets, who looks like they're still going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for a little while four times. The East is just a mess. The Knicks have a crazy schedule here. And as I'm going through my projections here, I continue to come up with 37, 36 wins for a Knicks team that looks pretty fragile to me overall. You know, we see the decaying effect of Tom Thibodeau and what he does to pump up a team in the first year. It declines in the second year and then really bottoms out the third, the fourth year. It turns out that screaming at adults over and over and over again and making them play more minutes than every other player in the NBA wears on people. Not only physically, as we've seen injuries pile up, but just mentally, that message gets lost. It just looks like a rough season for the Knicks. So happy to take under 39 and a half now that I am no longer waiting for Donald the Mitchell trade and then talk a little bit about the roster you know Mitchell's going to slide in at the starting shooting guard I think it'll be Rubio I think it'll be Donovan Mitchell and then somebody like Isaac Okoro is probably a better fit at small forward than somebody like Karis Levert you push Karis Levert to the bench and you have exactly what you're looking for in terms of a six man of the year candidate it's a guard that comes off the bench that's going to put up 15 16 maybe as many as 18 points a night off the bench instant offense type player i know that a lot of people might have tickets on kevin love at longer numbers here but don't necessarily expect him to continue the impact he had last year and again just doesn't quite fit that bill for players that they're looking for um karis lavert is someone that gets a lot of support from the media just 
in general, his story, he's a really great basketball player, is always really good when he's on the floor, but seems to have a penchant for kind of disastrous injuries, um, has injured multiple organs, not, you know, body parts, folks. I'm talking like internal organs, which is hard to do. I mean, you rarely hear about that for any player, let alone the same guy more than one time. Um, hurt his knee or ankle, I forget once. It's just been a mess for him. So checks a ton of boxes for me. The Cavaliers now, the way you set them up, looks like they're going to be a top three seed in the East. He, again, he's going to come off the bench, score a bunch of points. So give me him at six man at fifty to one. So a Knicks under since they're not since this number's not getting any higher. And Karis Levert, six man of the year because I think we're going to push him to the bench on a team that has a chance to, you know, have a lot of home games in the Eastern Conference playoffs. You know, I like awards. I love awards. They're the best. I think you're in on, and then you're you're. I mean, you're in on both of our basketball teams too. That's not hard. Like. It's it's really you're not doing on well, and I have a little bit of affinity for the Bulls I guess because they made me money last year with their win total so like yeah the the arm twisting is not it's not it doesn't have back to be to very back strong Bulls ratings. overs I forgot about that we're on the Bulls over this back year to I back it. I even got I got a bad number on the Bulls over and still ended up getting there but no um yeah I'm I'm down I could use a six man of the year as I've been talked out of a couple other guys that I thought might be all right um. Good news yesterday, my Baltimore Orioles won. Our I don't know that. I don't, I don't they went back to back, back to back shutouts for them, right? I think they beat Cleveland three nothing and four nothing. I want to say. Yeah, it's been two two out of three, I think, against the yeah. Guardians so far. I'm not sure if there is. That is, they will <sighs> they head home and take on the Athletics. At this Still point. one and a half games behind the Blue Jays. They keep winning over they and got, over and over. They got again. Oakland coming standings, up for a, one and a half. Baltimore has Oakland coming up for a three-game series here. They could sweep that one, though. That, that's yeah. a pretty big series for them. I forget who yeah, Toronto like, has, but I thought it the Blue was Jays lose. Let's get some losses on for these Blue Jays. It's enough. Yeah, the problem is they play the Pirates. So. Oh, well, they don't play the Pirates. Well, hold serve. We'll, we'll, hold serve. We'll, we'll see about that. But, yeah, there is the a Orioles and Blue Jays still have to – Come on. We get, do we get another Orioles-Blue Jays series? Buddy, I don't know. Probably, question. right? I bet the internet knows. Let me see. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, they're ALE you would you know, opponents. I would have to think we get one. For That's one. how they finish the se- season. The season is a oh, three-game three finish yeah. at home against the Blue Jays. They actually go to Toronto in September Where for a three-game. Oh, no, there's a bunch of Toronto games. Look at this. this they've got a four-game. Okay. They host Toronto for four games, September 5th through 7th. Um, ooh, that'll be just before we get to Vegas, Andy. That's a shame. We can't watch with the boys. Friday, September 16th through 18th, they go to Toronto, and then they finish the season with three games in Toronto. Ten left watch out, Blue Jays. As you're golden, this is fine. This is fine. Just well, win. Just fine. take We're care of business against the Blue Jays. It's fine. The, as they say, destiny is in their own hands. I always like that with the team. And, yeah, as I pulled up the schedule for yesterday, I flipped in today. Full-ass slate today, so Matt better have at least – Three bets, if not four. I got today. four. I got four today. Um, a lot of them centering around our two today. teams, Andy, the White Sox, and the Twins. Uh, unfortunately, no day baseball. It's again, I complain about it every Friday that the Cubs aren't at home. It makes no. How am I supposed to nap? There's no day baseball game today, but there isn't. So we are going to start with the Rangers and Red Sox. I actually, after I posted this a couple of, about an hour or so later, found this at plus 105 on BetMGM, so even better odds. The Red Sox team total over five and a half. Uh, the Red Sox offense has been fine. I think they're averaging about five runs a game. It is five or six runs a game over their last three or uh, three games. 
but they're going up against Dallas Keuchel, who is on his third team, who has an ERA in the eight, 8.84, I think it is, across 13 starts. So that's a, a sample size right there. That's not a fluke. Um, he's allowed six-plus earned runs in, his, in five of his last eight, and the three that he didn't allow six or more earned runs, he allowed four, four, and three. So he's at least handing things over to the bullpen with giving the Red Sox a pretty good chance to get to that point. Uh, just – Anytime Dallas Keuchel starts, you you fade him. You, you take the other team's team total over. Uh, White Sox and Twins, I'm going to take their over eight. The Twins uh, coming off a pretty good series against, I think it, is, it was Boston. Uh, offense has been playing, offense has been hitting pretty well. Uh, excuse me, it's averaging just under seven. They've scored 27 runs in their last four games, so they've been hitting the ball pretty well. White Sox are averaging six runs a game over their last three coming off a series against Kansas City. Uh, so I like where both of these offenses are at. The White Sox have started hitting home runs as, as of recently, as of Tony LaRusso's departure, which is really kind of weird timing. Um, but the White Sox are hitting the ball over the fence. The Twins are hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, Davis Martin starting for the White Sox today, and he's kind of a spot starter. Getting He's a September call-up from Charlotte, and he's been just okay this year. He's going to give up a few runs. Sonny Gray goes for the Twins. He's been very good this year, but his one start against the Sox, he got shelled. I think it was six earned runs over three and two thirds. So I like the over eight there at a pretty standard juice. And then I'm rolling the dice with a couple White Sox home runs. Um, Jose Abreu uh, outside of U.S. Cellular Field, guaranteed rate field, whatever we're calling it nowadays. Um, Comiskey. It's, it'll always be Comiskey to me. Um, the park he has the most home runs in throughout his career is Target Field. He's got 14 home runs. I think it's in 67 career games, so he eats pretty well there. And Gavin Sheets has three home runs in his last five games. It's a lefty going up against the righty. Uh, figured I would roll the dice there with a the hot left-handed hitter going up against the right-handed starter, plus 520, uh, who has plenty of pop in the bat. So rolling the dice on a couple home run props and the the two overs there, I really, really like tonight. The ball flies a little now that the concrete settled. I remember when that stadium was new and the ball was not flying at all, and they blamed it on, like uh, – the way concrete cures and how long it takes when you have that much, it'll actually affect like the humidity in the general area and can mess with stuff, which sounded like, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. If that just hit the ball over the fence. Yeah. Just, I mean, just, just, hit, it just hit the ball over the fence. Just hit it. But it's true. I mean, there have been groups that bet based on weather, based on humidity. And to Patrick's point, the, you know, the Rangers Red Sox total came down. Um, from a chat I'm in, someone has said that is the barometric pressure is at a certain level there that we haven't really seen all summer. So that's why that total got bet down. People bet because of the mercury sometime, and we're not talking WNBA. Um, ATP got there last night. My guy, I had an underdog, not a big underdog. I think I had plus five games, didn't win a set, but still, still cashed. He lost a tiebreaker, then lost a 5-7, and then he took the lead in the third set. And I'm like, you know what, buddy, if he gave that break back and just lost in a tiebreak, I'd be fine. He had the uh, the chance to give it away, the, the nasty push twice as he was leading, what was it? He had to serve to get to 5-5, which if you lose your break there, you lose by two and it pushes. And then he had to serve to get to 6-6, which again, you can lose 7-5. So I had two looks at the ugly push, never was to be, took it to the tiebreaker. Kubler's 2-0 for me this week. Feels pretty good. He's my he's my guy again. But uh, tonight, looking at a different match, I should pull up order of play. We are, again, already under play. Uh, Jabour and Rogers are playing for the women. 
men's. We have ADF and uh, Galan. Uh, Your matches not as in a many, couple hours. Yeah, not as many matches because <clears throat> people are being eliminated. As that is how things happen here in in tournament format, similar to the way March Madness works. Huh? But Jack Draper. Jack Draper's a kid who I made fun of the other night to Drew because uh, nobody had won a uh, match 3-0, 3-0, whatever you want to call it, in straight sets on the men's side. And it was early. It was a second round. I think there was like 10 matches in a row that went through, you know, either 3-1 or went the full distance. Jack Draper was uh, the first guy to get it done as an underdog. And he is playing really hot right now. And I don't love anything more lately as far as the tennis betting I did before the U.S. Open than fading Karen Hatchinoff. He is not good. Like, he is, he's good. He's fine. He is, he deserves to be here. He should be in main draws. But the ranking by his name is probably a little high. He can struggle. He'll lose to matches he shouldn't lose in. I don't think, uh, I don't think, and just, again, I'm not going to bore you with some stats. I pulled up on Tennis Abstract, but that sort of stuff susses itself out, self out as well. And you can start throwing, he even has some matches I'm willing to throw out, too. He played, uh, God, I think he has a Fonini match in there somewhere where it's like, man, should we even count matches where you're playing a guy that quits all the time? So uh, Draper, minus one, minus 115. Money line is similar at a lot of places, I where I bet it, I was able to save five cents by laying a game. I know sometimes this sort of stuff can bite you in a close match where he may win this match and this could push, this could lose, but I am laying the game with Draper. That is, I think it looks like second or third on the grandstand. So again, it won't start until later after lunch here. I can take it. I like it. No, so... Are you nervous taking the minus one versus the money line? Because it's so for those of you who maybe don't bet tennis a lot, he can lose the match and still cover this minus one. You could actually win this bet and have him lose the match, which is just yeah, a I, so, yeah. So I, I said it in the negative way. I said he could win and have fewer games won and I could lose my bet. But that's true. If this could go the distance and he could be looking at he's in a fifth set tiebreaker, and I don't care because it doesn't matter. He's up by three games at that point or something. So, I mean, yeah, he can lose this match, and this will cash as the, the handicap. Tennis is fucking weird, by the way. So it's wild. Speaking of, the, women's, the women are also playing as well, and you've got some, you've got some totals today, which I'm fine with. I love these. Just a few picks today. Like you said, less matches. Good start yesterday, bad finish. Needed to get one more game. Marie Buzkova can't hold serve for us to get that first set over, but... Yeah. What are you going to do? Sabalenka, they went long set, second set, first set quick. But we back at it again today. And we'll actually start with just a parlay. Put together two um, money lines I like quite a bit here. Starting with Shui Zhang, you know, continue to back her. Um, for whatever reason, these prices continue to be a little depressed. I guess it has to do with maybe as I start to look at it. She continues to run into players that have played well. Today she goes up against Rebecca Moreno. This starts pretty quickly here after the show is finished. Um, looks like they're next up on court five. So Zhang Kudermatova, again, I'm looking at a money line of minus 195. I have it's closer to minus 260. Zhang generally the much better player than Marino. Talked about this before as someone that can lose 
of matches, but generally only loses to better players in, in terms of just quality, um, in terms of ranking, in terms of numbers and things, pretty much takes care of business. And I just think maybe she's being a little bit underrated while Marino continues to um, be overrated here. <laughs> Damn it, Dan. Dan, no, Dan's talking dirty. I'm, I'm laughing at something completely separate as well. I'll, it's, mm. it's a tennis or get the fuck out joke that you'll, I'll let's share anyway. later. But Sorry, now I'm that like, I'm thrown off. But I'm, I'm full, I'm full Zhang right now. You know I am. We're full of Zhang, and let's heck, let's get it to Cooter Monster, baby. Better to win the tournament. I love it more and more every single round. I'm re pretty nervous, Andy, about how much, how confident I am in some of these outright picks. But I'm just riding the wave. I'm not getting out of the water. Damn it. And, Kuda Matova here um, was minus 400 when I put it in the parlor last night. Apparently, somebody went in and popped Galfi, and Kuda Matova's down to 375. Uh, when I first ran this, it came out back to me minus 575. Um, Tweak some stuff a little bit. Maybe I'm underrating Galfi here. I know that in my heart, I'm overrating Kuda Matova. My model is unaware of that. So, um, not really built into it and just love this number. Put the two together. You're pretty close to even money. Minus 105, minus 110. It's all good. Um, I think we have two pretty solid winners here to start the day. And then a match that I think is just going to be an absolute battle. Allison Risk versus Wang Ziyu. Wang Ziyu um, pushed Maria Sakkari really hard. Has been a great comeback player all year. Give me the over 21 games here. Thought about the over two and a half sets. But, you know, again, I'm always looking for something in the range of plus 155-ish. Seeing plus 145 or so, which is, you know, pretty much an appropriate number in my opinion. So give me the over 21 games. Go ahead. Sell this out to 22 if you want. It's not really a great option most places. The 21 I was able to find at Reasonable Juice. Just think we get a really long match, and I think we get a long first set here over nine and a half. Um, this was less than standard juice, even plus money a few places. And this is one definitely poke around, see if you have um, some of the legal books will let you kind of stack those first set totals over 10 and a half, over 12 and a half, stuff like that. This is going to be a great match for that. I'm going to look to try to do that live, depending on how things go. I'll probably actually be live betting Andy, whoever gets broken to win the, that set seven five. It's just has kind of WTA comeback mess written all over it. So a nice long match, a very long bit of Wong. Yes, Daniel, for you against Allison, Allison Riss there. 21 games over. Give me the first set over nine and a half. And let's hope it's a battle. And a little a little programming note. And as, as I just put 50 bucks on Risk uh, to go to a tie break in the first set. At plus 546? Yeah. I'll take that. Um, your book might list her as Allison Risk dash Armitage. She does have two names. Some places do, some places don't. That's what makes tennis such a pain in the ass. Um, speaking of teams with two names, Notre Dame will kick off their season. It's going to be uh, against Ohio State. State. Also, two yeah, teams. this is uh, this is basically like, hey, guess what? If we if we get a bit of a surprise, which it doesn't seem likely. We're pushing three touchdowns here, but get a surprise, and all of a sudden, Matt's win total is like you're almost cashing it early. You can pop the yeah, champagne, it, and the duck this goes the, this one. If they somehow find a way to sneak this one out, that would be uh, very large for my over eight and a half win total. Even if they don't, I, I still feel pretty confident about it. Um, I wanted to throw these two games up here just because obviously they're the biggest two games of the weekend. But I think the underdogs both are going to have kind of similar game plans, which is control the ball, try and control the clock as much as you can and let and stop the other team, try to avoid them from letting 
avoid them from making the big play, uh, trying to limit that as big as possible. Um, I, I really like the under in Georgia, Oregon. I, I don't think Oregon's going to be able to score a ton. Bo Nix isn't a very good quarterback, hasn't been, you know, had the one good year and then since then hasn't really been all that good. Struggled in the SEC. Georgia does have a lot of turnover on defense, but they're getting to the point of Alabama where their backups are still starting in most places and really good. Like it doesn't really matter. Dan Lanning was the, was the defensive coordinator at Georgia. He's at Oregon now, but like Kirby, it's Kirby smarts defense. Dan Lanning was just calling it. So it's not really like there's much turnover there. Um, I think Oregon's going to try to run the football. I think they'll have a little bit of success doing it. They do return a lot of starters on the offensive line. Just it, it's elsewhere that they need some help. I think they're going to be able to score score you know a touchdown or two maybe i kind of see this being a little bit like the clemson georgia game last year um i think Georgia's going to control the ball most of the game i don't think they're going to go for the big play because that's not really georgia's offense i think they're probably going to win something like 24 to 10 where it's never really in doubt where oregon puts up it puts up a touchdown has a couple nice long drives but i don't think they're going to be able to finish much against the georgia defense so i think georgia kind of controls that one and one that's Close. It, the score makes it look close, but never really in doubt that Georgia was going to win it. Um, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game I'm really intrigued by because, I mean, you, Andy, you remember we were in Vegas last year and everybody was on Ohio State minus 13.5, minus 14.5 against Oregon. And Oregon kind of came in early and, and punched them in the mouth. And the, the defense added Jim Knoll from, uh, from Oklahoma State, who had a really good defense last year. Uh, he comes in gets a lot more uh, talent with Ohio State this year, but still it, it it's, hasn't gotten – that much better in terms of personnel. So there is a blueprint to beat up that Ohio State defense. And fortunately for Notre Dame, the blueprint to beat them is kind of what they do well. They're going to try to run the football. They have a really good offensive line. They have two probably pro prospects to tackle. They have some interior guys who will probably get looks on teams. Um, they have a, a two-headed monster running back that's pretty solid. They have a running quarterback, which is another thing that's, you know, if they can run the read option early and successfully – and make Ohio State think about Tyler Buckner's legs. I mean, that that's just one more factor to free up your receivers on the outside where they might not have all that much talent, but Notre Dame does have a lot of speed on the outside. And if you're forcing uh, Ohio State to respect the run, respect the quarterback, that's going to open up some one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside, as well as Michael Mayer might be the best tight end, tight end in college football. Um, he's going to get a lot of looks. He's going to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one looks, and he's a mismatch for no matter who you put up against them. Um, defensively, if Ohio State's going to get theirs, uh, they're going to get big plays. They're going to score on big plays. They're probably going to have a touchdown of 50 yards or more. It's going to be about limiting those plays. And if they can limit those plays, play Ben don't break defense and maybe get a turnover too, they're, they're probably not going to have a chance to win this game. It's going to be really tough. But that 17 and a half is a lot of points for the way Notre Dame's going to try to play this game. They're going to try to hang on to the ball, run the ball, have these long methodical drives and not give up the big play to Ohio State, not give them anything over the top, let them go underneath. So I think it's going to be tough for Ohio State to cover that. Ohio State is good enough to cover that 17 and a half against anybody. If they break some big plays, it's certainly possible. But, I mean, that, that line was 13 and a half when it's open. Now it's jumping to 17 and a half, 18 some places. That's a lot of points. That's a big jump. So I, I like Notre Dame at the 18 and a half. It was 13 and a half. I'd probably be on Ohio State or not touching it. But it's 17 and a half with that hook. I think I like Notre Dame there to cover the plus 17 and a half. Yeah, I wish I had both. I wish I had 13 and a half and plus say. 17 and a half. Like, that'd be a nice middle. That, that, that'd be uh, a really 20, nice middle. Like 24-10 doesn't 16, seem likely. 17. You know, that 
like the score you mentioned in the other game, like there will be more points. This one's this one to me feels like a 35, 21, 42, 28, something like that. Maybe 35, 24, something along the lines of that. But it's, I think this was the exact score of that game. It harkens back to a college football playoff semifinal. I believe it was a peach bowl where Alabama had to take on Washington who wasn't that good, but had won the pac 12 and was, Mm playing you know I think that was the first football. college football playoff game it may it may have been i remember i bet it when it opened because i was out in vegas for the you know the the championship weekends and mm-hmm. uh it was i got an early number and i think it mattered because it was the same kind of thing where it was like 24 10 but man nobody if you watch that game it was nobody never really Washington was like in doubt yeah that's kind of how i feel the playing with their food getting ready for the title game yeah that's kind of how i feel the the oregon georgia game goes i think georgia's going to use that game to work out some things and get themselves back into you know game mode hey oregon's a fine team they bring back like i said a lot of talent up front i just don't think they really have the skill position players to compete with georgia i am interested we saw last night there was a lot of there's a lot of bad tackling throughout college football last night and i think you see that a lot of early on in college football because especially with pros as well, but there's just not as much tackling in camp anymore. And a lot of the, yeah. you know, fast game reps tackling you get is your first game. And if Notre Dame's, if, if, if Notre Dame's able to tackle better in Ohio state, I think, which is, it sounds very fundamental, but if they're able to tackle better and Ohio state's missing tackles in the run game early, I think that's going to give Notre Dame a chance, but it's everything's going to have to fall right for them. They're going to need, seven or eight things to go exactly perfectly for them to win the game, but should be a fun one to watch. Both of those should be fun to watch. They need to hit their same game parlay to get that one done. So yes. All right. Fuck it. That's a week. Welcome again. Welcome to the family, Kansas. Welcome to the fold profit exchange in New Jersey. Go check all that stuff out. If you are in those States, like I mentioned, there's an article we posted yesterday with all the promo codes. If you're in Kansas or on the Missouri side of Kansas city and you want to drive over, uh, or if you're in New Jersey and you want to take advantage of some of the promos that Profit Exchange is having, hit the thumbs up on the way out. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. We'll catch you Tuesday. I'm taking Monday off the grill, guys. I'll send a picture. I missed the final score um, prognostication by Rick Daddy. 69 to 420. Seems unlikely. Possible.